Wow. So, exactly. That's exactly what I was so, trying to say, but that was so poetic. So, <laughs> say, so it this again. Is, say it again. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Matchbox Podcast powered by Ignition Coach Co. I'm your host, Adam Saban, and today we're talking power meters versus new bike day, the benefits of off-season cross-training, and how to improve fitness when you've plateaued without increasing volume. Today's show is also brought to you by Flow Formulas. We here at Ignition use Flow Formula products to support our all aspects of our training, and we highly recommend that you try it out too. To get 10% off Flow's endurance sports-specific formulated nutrition products, head over to flowformulas.com today and use the discount code IgnitionPodcast. They have all sorts of fun flavors, including low and high sodium content, flavorless blends, and even mixes with caffeine if you need that extra kick. Head there today and let us know what you think. As always, if you like what you hear, please share this with your friends and leave us a five-star review. If you have any questions for the show, send those to info at ignitioncoachco.com with email title The Matchbox Podcast, or find us on a Find us on Instagram and send us a DM. All right, let's get into it. So the first question we got today, this is one we were going to do last week, but we skipped it because the the talk got a little bit too gear heavy. So we wanted to kind of revert back to some training questions. But uh, this one comes from Ben Herman. He is our resident math teacher. Uh, So he wants to know about power getting a new new bike versus a power meter. So he says, hey, ignition crew. Thanks for your answers to my last question regarding fueling for shorter rides. I love the conversation you all had. Here's one more. In this coming year, should I prioritize getting a power meter for my bike or getting a new gravel bike altogether? Currently, my only bike is a hardtail 29er Santa Cruz Highball. My A race for this year is Iceman. I train via Zwift, mountain bike trails, and some gravel riding and currently only have a heart rate monitor for metrics. I would like a gravel bike so I can have more op- riding opportunities, summer group road rides, longer gravel rides, etc. But wonder what would be more important for my training, the new bike, or being able to train with power all the time. Any thoughts would be appreciated. Almost threw this question out to the Bonk Bros podcast, but didn't want to bore Scott too much with all the talk related to gravel. Good call. Hey, we got also, a this, li- is a good, this is a good we question. double listener. <clears throat> That's cool. Yeah, he also, if you had podcasts. sent it to Bonk Bros, you would not have gotten a serious answer. So it's better that you said it here. <laughs> um, it happens like every week. Somebody asks a training thing, and, and Dylan's like, this is why the Matchbox exists. <laughs> so like half the questions yeah. get kicked back over here. So when you read the title and it said new bike or power meter or something like that, I was like, mm-hmm. power meter, for sure. For sure, yeah. power meter. It's like yeah. not even a question. And then when you read the whole thing, and he only has a mountain bike right now, and he's thinking about getting a gravel bike or a power meter, that actually makes it a little bit of a tougher decision, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, what I'm I, so curious what kind of trainer he has, because if like he's able to get power from his trainer, and he does most of his training yeah. via Zwift, that kind of... That's a good question, and I'm guessing he has some sort of smart trainer because he does mention he wonders what will be more important for his training, the new bike or being able to train with power all the time. Mm. So that, that sort of like alludes to him having some training with power via train, the trainer. Yeah. So both. I mean, yeah, <laughs> both, both is definitely the answer. But I, get a gravel bike with a power meter on it. Boom. I think I, I, I was, I, that's what I was actually going to say. 
Yeah. I mean, a, a, you can get a you can get a stages power meter for a gravel bike for like three hundred bucks. Yeah, power meters are really not that expensive at this. I wouldn't get a stages. I would get if you want a cheap one. I would go with like the Osioma pedal based power meter. It's also around three hundred bucks, and it's or if yeah, he doesn't want to go meter, cheap, and he runs a one seventy two point five crank. He can email me because I have one, <laughs> but it's like a SRAM red. Well, I'm cork. assuming <laughs> I'm assuming this guy has a budget if he's asking us yeah, which, which one probably. you should buy. So probably. what I've said about upgrading to a power meter in the past, and I stand by this, is that, you know, if you're trying to figure out what upgrade to make to your bike and it's like between, I don't know, wheels and power meter or, you know, new frame and power meter or new whatever and power meter. The answer is always power meter because whatever upgrade you make to your bike that's not a power meter is going to make your bike marginally faster, whereas a power meter, if you know how to use it, is going to make you as a person significantly faster. So it's, I would say, so, and kind of what you're saying is which option is going to make you the most faster? <laughs> and so sure, you're saying like- <laughs> making making your bike a little bit faster can make, it adds like instant fat fastness, but getting a power meter can make you faster. It takes mm-hmm. a little bit longer, but it, the, the, you know, like it's going to make you fat a lot more faster than just the wheels alone. So yeah. there's like way more yeah, but, potential fastness. Yeah. So, but the sure. interesting thing that he's talking about here is that like getting a gravel bike might open up new training opportunities in yeah. the right. summertime. So that's exactly what I was about to say. So he's got summers off. Right. right. That's exactly what I was going to say is the potential fastness that he might acquire through getting a gravel bike might actually outweigh the potential fastness that he may acquire by just putting a power meter on his mountain bike. Yeah. Um, right. It's all about potential I, fastness. I, I, yeah. I, it's a I, term. I think that I think that every mountain biker should have either a gravel bike or a road bike to train on, you know, gravel or road. They should not just if, mm-hmm. if they're serious about mountain bike racing. They shouldn't just have a mountain bike, in my opinion. I'm pretty sure um, Brian Schwarm only has only ever had a mountain bike, and he just throws slicks on his mountain bike. But he has a power meter on his mountain bike. Yeah, you could go that direction, I guess. You could throw slicks on your mountain bike. It just, I mean, as as this person already alluded to, it opens up so so many more training opportunities when you have that drop bar bike. Yeah. Um, so yeah, especially if you're doing a race like Iceman, like if that's your a race getting time in, in like a fast group ride is going to be beneficial so that you can get mm-hmm. more speed in your legs. Um, and yeah. even if you throw slicks on a mountain bike, like you're still going to be under geared and you know, the position is going to be inefficient. So like you can do it if you're, if you're, you know, one of the stronger ones in the group ride, but, um, it's not going to be preferred. And that's what he yeah, talks I'm about. Also, here, like getting group rides in. Um, maybe this is just my gravel ignorance, but are flat bars banned in almost all gravel races? Definitely not. Definitely I mean, not. No. Okay. <clears throat> okay. I mean, so aero I, mean, bars are. I, I know aero bars are, but okay. But flat bars aren't got it. Yeah. The whole thing. I don't is know. Arbitrary. I don't know. We don't B- need to get BWR, it. BWR. Yeah. BWR might ban flat bars, but I don't know because yeah. that's kind of like if you were to so banning arrow bars is like you're banning a thing that people can add to their bike. But if some you know beginner level cyclist all they Only have is hit, flat yeah. bar bike, you're kind of like limiting. You know, you're kind of limiting people that would otherwise do the event. You know what I mean? You're kind of right. like m- making the event less inclusive. Yeah, but. Yeah. But so is making the event 130 miles. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, good point. 
I don't know. Anyways, we, we don't not, need to get that. Really, yeah, we're yeah, getting yeah, off yeah. on a tangent. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was just um, curious that if so, if, so let's if, just if let's just round table a mountain bike. Let, let's just round table quick. You know, now that we've have had some conversation about the context, what 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 would your answer be, Dylan? We'll start with you. I think if you if you like if the question is okay, you can only either get a power meter or a gravel bike. I think I would go with gravel bike, but. But like practically in the real world, come on, power meters are not that expensive at this point. Like just get, save up some money and get them both. You know what I mean? Like get, get a $300 power meter and get, get a, if you have to, if you have to get a, here's the thing. If you have to get a slightly cheaper gravel bike so that you can afford a power meter, that is 100% what I would do. Like yeah. go for, go for the gravel bike that's a step down from what you thought you were going to get and use that money to get a power meter. You might be able to find a used gravel bike with a power meter already on it. I mean, I see so many people sell sure. bikes with power meters already on them. Yeah. You have to put a crank set on the thing anyways. So, well, presumably it comes with a crank set, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, but that's like built into the cost. So if the crank set costs $150 and a power meter costs 450 you're really you're only paying 300 for the power meter if you just get it in the first place yeah i mean i yeah i don't think there's any (laughs) like you know i i don't think there's any excuse to not have a power meter in my opinion to be honest with you this is a maybe a rabbit hole would you would you coach somebody who doesn't have a power meter yeah, what if, this guy, what if this guy was saying, "I want you to be my coach"? Also, what should I, I would, do? You're I would stealing my him, answer. <laughs> I would tell him. I would tell him exactly what I just said. You know, and <clears throat> and if he if he was like, "Yeah, man, like like times are really tight. Like I really cannot afford both. I can really only afford one." Then I I, I would still coach him. It's not like I would refuse to coach him, but you'd comp him to you'd comp him two months so that he could buy a power meter with the money that he saved from the coaching. <laughs> Dylan's a nice guy. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, yeah. All right. You you guys can go. Are you on, are you on the same page as Dylan? Yeah. I'm also like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not opposed to like, if he's got a, if, if he's got a good set of training wheels on his mount, on his hardtail, I mean, I could see him throwing it, throwing, just doing the hardtail, you know, with a power meter on it and using that as a gravel bike. Um, I mean, Dylan did that for like half the year last year. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, throw some curly bars. He also had drop bars, bike. but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm definitely leaning towards Dylan, but another option could be get the power meter, set it up on your mountain bike, and then get the gravel bike if you want to do a different order of events. But eventually, you should end up with both a power meter and a gravel. The other thing I'll say too is that if he has if he has a power meter on his trainer, but not on his bike that he rides outside. Um, you are going to be shocked at how much more power you can put out when you're riding outside. You're like your the quality of your interval workouts when you do them outside is going to go up. Like I know, I know a lot of people argue that they can get in a great quality workout inside, and I know that if you get used to doing indoor workouts, you, you can definitely you know reduce the difference between your outdoor and indoor power. But personally, I would like. Just for myself, I would never even consider doing an interval workout inside, ever. <laughs> All right, Kate, what do you got? Um, if his words were having a gravel bike might open up more opportunities, kind of piggybacking off that, like, you know, maybe there are group rides that are available to him, but you're not going to roll up to your 
Tuesday Night Worlds on a mountain bike. So I don't know. I just think I'm more about enjoying the experience of being on a bike. So yeah, he's coachable with, with heart rate. I mean, mm-hmm. get another bike. So much more fun. More bikes, more fun, right? Good answer. Okay, so I'm going to go the other way. I, another, another, another little thing that I would add is, is like, what are his goals? Like, if he's really his goals training, are Ice Man. His, his, oh, he, he wants did to, say yeah, that. He wants to do. Yeah, yeah. He's, oh, his, his A race is Ice Man, so I'm guessing he's probably from Michigan or, or you know, somewhere yeah, okay. in the West. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't say what his goal I mean, is on Ice Man, but is... I'm guessing it's like most people in Ice Man just want to like improve year after year. <clears throat> yeah. Yes, if somebody was his, like a hardcore. I just thought about this too. That's going to make his life easier if he does most of his training on Zwift anyway. Like during those winter months, keep your your new bike set up on the trainer, and then when the opportunity presents itself to go outside, just grab your mountain bike and roll outside. Like instead of putting it on and off. Yeah. Mm. Not that it's a big deal, but it is a big deal. Mm. I mean, like I know it. it it's yeah. only maybe ten. If you're constantly switching minutes, back and forth, ten fifteen minutes to like swap it out and stuff, but like. Yeah, then you've got to like clean your bike to bring it back inside to put mm-hmm. it on your trainer. Like that could take like an hour in the winter time. So it, it does make a big difference having a dedicated trainer bike. It's a good call. Um, okay, so here's my two cents. So I would get whatever the most reasonable power meter is that will fit on your mountain bike. Um, I think Cork probably makes the best product, but they're also kind of higher end as far as cost go. Um, so whatever, whatever makes sense financially. And then I would put the rest of the money that you were going to spend on a gravel bike and hire either me or another ignition coach as your coach. <laughs> There's <laughs> the coaching if plug. Iceman, nice. if Iceman is yes. truly your A event, a mm. coach is going to be able to do a lot more for you than you would get out of that, like Tuesday night gravel ride, um, you know, group ride or whatever. Um, not that we wouldn't try to utilize that as like part of your training, but just going out and doing that and then willy nilly doing a Zwift workout and willy nilly riding your mountain bike on trails. Like it might be fun, but if your if your goal is truly to improve at Iceman, hire a coach who's done Iceman and understands what the demands of the race are and, and what goes into building fitness for that. This is why we hired Adam. All right. Adam, Adam so I, I agree with that, but I want to make very specific suggestions right now. So, okay, so buy a gravel bike and buy a power meter. And the power meter that you should buy is, I believe, the company Osioma has come out with a pedal-based mountain bike power meter. Get that so that you can use the pedal-based power meter on both your gravel both bike bikes and your mountain bike. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean that, that's and so that your yeah, that, coach can call. see all the data. Mm-hmm. Poor guy that's left with the answer to buy a new bike, a power meter, and hire a coach. <laughs> I, like, I don't think that's what he definitely not what he was wanting, but <laughs> Okay. Uh hopefully that helps, Ben. Um okay, so moving on, let's see. Okay. So so this one sort of I feel like we sort of answered this one previously. But we'll we'll touch on it again because it's a little different. Um, or maybe it was on the other show. I don't remember. This one comes from Jordan Forsgren. Uh, he wants to know about off-season cross-training. He says, is it beneficial to do some sort of aerobic cross-training like schemo or snowshoeing during the early base season when it's too cold to ride outside instead of just banging your head against the wall in the trainer for your long endurance rides? I've talked about cross-training a lot in the past week on multiple like my patreon my uh bonk bros podcast i mean um, tis the season tis yeah. the season <laughs> uh 
Yeah, so he's talking. Schemo is like what a form of cross country skiing. Skin up. No, skin it's, up, it's ski down. Ski mountaineering. So it's like yeah, ski touring. Okay. Yeah, you ski uphill and yeah. then you ski downhill. Yeah. Sorry for my skiing ignorance. I mean, I have skied before, but it's not. I haven't skied in probably ten years at this point. So, um, it wasn't the winner? Who was the winner of that one race where he was the, like the schemo champion? No, that was the guy second, who took second, second place at Leadville. At Leadville. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Which is um, is unbelievably impressive because I mean Leadville was so stacked this year. So the fact that that's cycling isn't even his main sport and he got second is yeah. Did you see? Um, There's a tangent, but did you see what his training was leading up to Leadville? Like thirty hour no, weeks, right? I didn't. Yeah, he didn't ride his what bike at all. Like, and then for like yeah. the three mm-hmm. weeks leading into Leadville, he did like. 30 to 35 hour weeks and then tapered into Leadville, mm-hmm. race Leadville, and then didn't ride his bike again after that. And talented guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> obviously, obviously some sort of genetic freak for sure. Uh, there's someone should have, so someone should have applied him for the, pull that the Grand off. Prix. Yeah. He's probably too focused on schemo, I guess. Um, anyway. All right. So I, what was the original question? I forgot. <laughs> Oh, we're talking about so he wants training. Yeah, in in particular, he wants to know if it's beneficial over like just riding the trainer, basically. Yeah. So here's what I was going to say. So cross country skiing is actually there's a lot of, in fact, probably more than any other sport. There's more crossover with cross country skiing to cycling than probably any other sport that you could do. Um, which means that, you know, if you don't have a bike available to you and you have to train for cycling, cross-country skiing is what you would want to be doing. Um, I, I don't know how similar schemo is to cross-country skiing. I mean, in both cases, you're sort of cross-country skiing, but I'm not an expert in either one. But it, it sounds like it sounds like a good form of cross-training. And if you, if the, if the option is, you know, you can ride... 10 hours a week of only on the bike, or you can do eight hours a week on the bike and then like another six, uh, schemo, then I would go with the, you know, the latter option where you're doing more overall volume, maybe a little bit less volume on the bike, but more overall aerobic volume, if that makes sense. So essentially I'm saying, yes, there is value yeah, to it. I, I think, and I think that's, that's a really good point. So you know, if you're just going to try and like, if you're going to compare like 10 hours a week on the trainer versus like six hours a week on the trainer and four hours of schemo, so you're getting the same overall volume. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's necessarily a physiological benefit to doing that. Um, but yeah, similar would... to like the last question where we were talking about, you know, the, the purchase of a new bike might open up new training opportunities, um, in which case you might be getting more volume in. That's kind of the same applies here. Like, like Dylan said, if you, if you can, if you just can't stand to ride the trainer more than 10 hours a week, but you have more than 10 hours a week to give, then yeah, for sure. Like doing that, that outdoor cross training is going to be beneficial because it's going to increase your overall volume. Um, yeah. Now I think mentally, like I think you'll come into this, this season a bit more fresh if you have done some cross training and you've actually like enjoyed winter instead of just like suffering in your basement on your trainer all winter long. Um, that is like, like trainer fatigue syndrome is like a real thing where like people are super fit come March and April, but they're just mentally blown because they've, all they've done is like stared at a screen and pedaled their bike and 
place for, you know, the last 200 hours. Um, so I, I do think there's something to that. Um, whether that translates to actual physiological uh, benefits is, is hard to say. Um, but I do think emotionally and, you know, um, mentally, it's going to be easier to get through winter time. Yeah, that's what I was going to say was like training tolerance. Like you might be super motivated to be training in, in January, February, March. And uh, I would, I personally suggest trying to mix in as much cross training as possible so that, so that your training tolerance in April, May, and June doesn't decline because of all that time you spent training on the bike early in the year. So you're kind of, you're kind of thinking about your future self. Like right now I'm really motivated, but I, I want to think about Drew in April and if I've just dug myself into this huge hole in the, on the trainer, maybe future Drew won't be as motivated. But if I do a bunch of running and cross training now and keep the motivation high for or like the excitement towards bike riding higher, <laughs> which I mean, which to me is less riding now, more riding later, then I'll come to April when I really want to increase my volume or training or whatever. I'll probably be a lot more motivated to be riding in April because I didn't ride so much earlier. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, like sort of what I do. Um, so I, I live in a place where it's not super conducive to riding a ton of volume outside in the wintertime. Like I do it still. Um, but it takes like tons of layers and preparation and everything. Um, so hobby on the trainer is definitely way easier, but what I try to do is like use cross training to help take a little bit of the pressure off of my training. Mm-hmm. So that way, when I see like yesterday, I had a five hour workout on the schedule and instead of like looking at that and being like, oh, five hours outside or like uh, five hours on the trainer or like whatever, I'm like, well, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go right outside. I'm going to prepare as if I could, like I have everything I need to ride for five hours. But if like I get three hours in and I'm like, ah, I'm kind of over this and I kind of want to go cross country skiing, then like I afford myself that opportunity. Um, so like yesterday, actually, I was having a really good day on the bike, felt awesome, got like three and a half hours in and actually rode past where the cross country ski trails were. And at this point I had every intention of like riding the full five hours, but they had just groomed the cross country ski trails. And I was like, Oh, sick. I want to get out on the skis. So I like pretty much just rode home, hopped, hopped on the skis right away and then did another hour of skiing. Um, and that just like made kind of like made the day awesome. Like I just like, mm-hmm. I looked forward to that last hour instead of like kind of grueling through the last hour. Cause it's just so early in the season. Like you can only, you can only like do that so many times throughout the year before you're just like kind of over it. Dang, yeah. Adam's Adam's getting serious. That's some serious training, <laughs> dude. Five hours <laughs> in the winter of South Dakota, North Dakota. Like, dude, legit, I mean, man. Yeah, the, yeah. I'm starting. I'm supposed to go to BWR Arizona, which is like early oh, March. Oh, dang! So wow. If I if, right. if I want to ride, if I want to be able to race for like seven hours by March, I need to, <laughs> yeah. need to kick it into gear a little bit. Good idea. Yeah. Um, the other, this wasn't, this wasn't his question, but it's, uh, it's sort of related and it's a question that I get a lot, which is, you know, does trainer time count as more time than outdoor time? Um, and you guys can give pushback on this if you want, uh, or if you have different opinions on this, but this is my opinion on this. Um, I, I see no reason physiologically why, like I've heard that, you know, oh, uh, you know, two hours on the trainer or two hour, one hour on the trainer is equivalent to two hours outside or one hour on the trainer is equivalent to one and a half hours outside or however they do the conversion. I, 
I get that from a mental perspective because it's hard to d- mentally do that many hours on the trainer. And if you're doing, you know, I don't know, 20 hour weeks on the trainer, you're probably going to get mentally burnt out. I get that. What I'm talking about is physiologically, I don't see any physiological reason why that would be the case. Um, I'll push back. Do it. You're, you're probably the exception because when you go out for a two hour outdoor ride, I bet you pedal 98% of the time. I don't think that's the yeah, case probably. for most athletes. I bet for a two-hour ride outdoors, I bet they're only pedaling for like 80% of the time. And they're coasting on the downhills, coasting through all the turns. If you add up all that time that they're pedaling at or not pedaling at all and it's zero watts, and then you – I think that like subtracts a good chunk of time off of your outdoor riding where you're just not pedaling. And almost everybody when they're on the trainer pedals 100% of the time. Like if you coast on the trainer – it stops moving. So like mm-hmm. if anybody's on the trainer, they're usually pedaling like near a hundred percent of the time. So that's yeah, the only so, like, so, as far as physiology goes, that's my only answer to say why. So, you might so I'll, I'll push back a little bit on that, Drew. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. Good. Cause, we cause, got the pushback. Push I, I'm in the same boat as Dylan. I agree, Drew, that riding the trainer, like you're going to freaking nail your zone the entire time. Like you have to, otherwise yeah. like the, you know, the, the screen pauses or whatever. Um, so like, that's for sure. Like, I I think that riding the trainer is super efficient as far as like being able to hit your numbers, but the, the, the overall time is still going to be the same. What you're going to see outside is your time and zone is going to decrease. You're going to have, you know, probably 10 to 30% of your ride that's going to be in zone one instead of zone two because of coasting or, or it's just a straight zero. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. So, it's not that you're not working out at the same duration. It's that your, your efficiency of your workout is going to decrease outside. Um, yeah. Now, on the contrary, like you go and do an interval workout, and a lot of people would argue that your efficiency might increase because you're able to hit higher numbers. Um, but yeah, I, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't like the, the, I, I like, I haven't seen any research on this as far as like, you know, studies go. Um, most of it's just coming from anecdotal experience and two mm-hmm. hours in the trainer trainer is definitely more mentally exhausting than two hours outside. Like there's no doubt. Um, mm-hmm. but a lot of that just is because the RPE inside is higher. It's not so much that yeah. like physiologically you're doing anything that you couldn't do outside. It's just that like, yeah, it's just, just a, it's just harder. Just ahead, a side Kate. note, when I have athletes, when I have athletes that are new to <clears throat> riding endurance on the trainer, like I encourage them, Hey, like leave your bottles at the sink and, you know, 30 minutes in, hop off, grab your bottles. When you're an hour in, like just jump up real quick, stretch out and then hop back on. Like, because you're not moving as much as you do when you're outside. I do look um, forward that's to when my call. bottle runs out of water and I have to walk the 20 steps yeah. to fill it. Because you get yeah. off the trainer, you're like, oh, man. See, dude, my I, feel I hate of, My legs like, feel kind of weird. <laughs> I'm like, like, like if I'm doing a two-hour ride and I have to, like, stop to pee once or twice or, like, fill up my bottle, like, for me, it's so much harder to get back on and, like, get back in that groove. Like, once I'm, like, you know, just spinning at zone two, you know, 200 watts and, like, feeling good, then, like, to hop off and hop back on, it's like, oh, it's like takes a few minutes. Well, I have a solution to the to the peeing on the trainer because I've thought about this before. And this answers another question we got a long time ago about how to learn how to pee off the bike. I've often thought maybe <laughs> I should just set up a huge bucket next to my trainer. And I could practice peeing off the bike and not have to worry about crashing. Yeah. 
Brilliant. At least I get the like motion down. I'll bet you. I'll bet you though. It's easier to pee off the bike on a trainer than it is to pee off the bike while you're actually outside. Yeah, I know, but Dude, I yeah, can't. But now you got to hit know, the bucket. I, can't, <laughs> I know, but I outside, can't. It doesn't pee matter. Off the bike goes. outside. So like, true. If yeah. I can do it on the trainer, that's one step closer to doing it outdoors. I think. Yeah. No. Probably. You make a good point there. Wow, we yeah. just went. That was a huge. That was a whole rabbit hole. <laughs> Whoa, right. dude! Dizzle's, Dizzle's got all the product ideas. I'm <laughs> probably I'm gonna, we're gonna have a the ignition bucket. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> the ignition bucket. <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know. I like. I'm one of these people that hates the trainer, and I probably I only ride the trainer if I absolutely have to. Like, I will literally go out in 40 degree rain before. It, you know, before I ride, if, if I see, it depends on what kind of ride I'm doing, but if I see like a four hour ride that I have to do and it's 40 degrees and raining, I'm going to ride in 40 degrees before I do four hours on the train. I saw 40 a picture degrees of Dylan. And raining. Yeah. Doubt 40 it. degrees and raining. No, I literally did that like a week ago. Is that when you got Be- sick? Because yeah, four right. hours. No, it's, it's when I stayed sick for a month. <laughs> like I can't like I I'm, I'm the kind of person who. I could do a solo a solo seven hour ride, and that would not be a huge deal. But riding more than an hour and a half on the trainer, I I can't do it. It shows you how mentally weak Dylan is. I, I guess <laughs> it does, man. I saw a picture of Dylan, or I was on the phone, and Dylan was on the trainer in the background. I was like, "Whoa, what's wrong? Did something yeah. happen?" Because <laughs> I'm like, I knew how how strongly against the trainer he was. Well, I was like so blown away to I see had a trainer. I had a recovery week last week and I rode the trainer almost exclusively because it was all short rides. Yeah. And the reason I did that was because I've had like this lingering sore throat and I was like, I just, I, I just need a week of not breathing in any cold air for a whole week. And then hopefully it'll go away. And it's pretty much, it's pretty much entirely gone at this point. So I think it did work. Good job, man. <laughs> Good job, man. <clears throat> All right. Anything All right. else to add here? I don't even remember um, go, what the question was. Going back to that guy's question, <laughs> I wanted to go down another quick tangent. Um, it's just like, in a way, cross encouraging. Training, wasn't that the, <laughs> was the original what? question? Oh, yeah. yeah cross the original training. question was cross-training. <laughs> I love when athletes are stoked on something else that's completely unbike related, kind of like you were saying, just like for your mental sanity, Adam, for later yeah. on in the season. But like encouraging, if you're encouraging your kids at a young age to do a sport, a sport, you encourage them like to try multiple things versus like putting your kid in cross country in the fall, indoor track in the winter, and then spring track, like just running year round, they're going to get burnout. Um, so making them a more diverse athlete by like increasing their variability and exposure to other things, like it's going to make you a more durable person in general. And I don't know. I just think there's like some strength components that come into schema and I just, I think he should keep doing it. Wear a heart rate monitor do- during, and um, mm-hmm. if you want to truly make it zone two, you know, your coach will help you find that zone and keep your heart rate in check. And yeah. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say too, was like, it is important. Like if you're like, he mentions schemo and snowshoeing. So one with the schemo, um, like, you know, I've, I've had athletes and I, and I, I know like it's easy to fall into this. Like I've had athletes who like wear a heart rate monitor, for like downhill skiing and like, you know, tracking their heart rate and like heart rate gets elevated and they're like, Oh, I'm in zone two. Like this is a zone two workout, but it's not the same. Like elevated heart rate due to like adrenaline rush is not the same as 
cardiovascular um, workout. So keep in mind with schemo, like I would really only count the uphill portion of that workout. So if you're going to track it, you know, like let's say you've got a 30 or 40 minute uphill and then a, you know, 10 or 15 minute descent. Um, just keep in mind that like, really it's just that uphill that's probably going to make any fitness gains towards building base fitness. Um, and I would try and do whatever you can to keep it somewhere, you know, in zone two, um, for sure. Try and keep it, you know, as much of the time below like middle of zone three. Um, but also don't like, you know, like he mentioned snowshoeing, like snowshoeing, it's really easy to like drop the pace. And now all of a sudden you're like just spending the entire time in zone one, like unless it's like a recovery day or something doing like two or three hours of zone one snowshoeing is probably not going to be all that beneficial. It might be fun. Um, but it, it wouldn't be like a replacement for like a zone two, like three hours zone two ride. Um, but one thing you can do with snowshoeing, this is what I've done this winter, um, with snowshoeing and actually like some of the ski touring that I've done, um, I've been wearing a weighted pack and that makes it quite a bit harder. Um, and it helps quite a bit to help to keeping my heart rate in the right zone. Um, so like I started with like a 25 pound pack and now I'm up to like a 35 pound pack. Um, and I think it's just like, it's helping me just build some other strength muscles too. Like last, last season I struggled a ton whenever I would have to like ride with a pack on like a hydration pack. Um, but for some of these longer endurance events, like you kind of have to. So like I need, I want to get better at doing that. So in my mind, like wearing a 35 pound pack while I'm, you know, ski touring, uh, is hopefully contributing to like being able to tolerate the pack on the bike a bit more. Yeah. My head, my head was kind of going similar to what you just said is like, if there's a type of cross training that you really want to do, and I'll use the example of basketball because in, in college, for some reason, like as soon as the cro- the off season would come, I was like trying to convince all of the teammates at Marion to go play basketball with me. So we'd go to the gym and just shoot basketball, but basketball isn't like aerobic. Like that's not helping me gain base, base fitness. But, but if you really enjoy something, maybe you can adapt that something to make it more specific to like aerobic fitness. So in the case of basketball, convince your friends that you all need to play full court and you have to run back and forth. So you're actually going to end up with like maybe a couple miles in your legs after a couple games, like of just running back and down the court. You're still playing basketball, something you enjoy, but you're trying to like make it a little bit more aerobic focused as well to help you with your base training. Yeah, it's a good call. Um, what do you guys think? You want to do one more or wrap it up there? We're at 35 yeah, minutes already. Let's do one more. Okay. That's not what Dylan was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. Let's do one more. Okay. Do an easy one. Um, a yes or no one. <laughs> yes or no one. <laughs> a yes or no question. Yeah, Dude, we, were doing, we, we were doing one word here. answers on Bonk Bros last night. <laughs> like Scott would. <laughs> really? <he's> there. <laughs> Got a little oh, out of yeah. control. That's great. <laughs> um, okay. So we'll, we'll try this one. Improving fitness without increasing volume. This one comes from James Pearl on Instagram. I've been meaning to write you this question for the Matchbox podcast and finally got around to typing it. Um, I don't know what that word means. Yeah. Can you get faster? <laughs> it says T-L-D-R. Yeah, I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that an acronym? Yeah. It I might be. Probably. If it is, I don't know what it is. Though. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up. T-L-D-R. Okay. Yeah. But there's Can you get faster without though, bumping up sorry. your volume? The question, I followed cycling training plans and trained with a cycling coach, and I think I have reached a plateau. TLDR is too long, didn't read. <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, Wait, too long, don't, the, don't read. No, 
Too long didn't read. I mean, I guess too long don't read. I don't know. Well, too too late. I already read half of it. Um, <laughs> okay. It says I can only eke out ten to twelve hours max each week. I and I, I seem to be stuck at around four point two to four point four watts per kilogram at sixty nine kilograms. Following the advice I typically read, how can I make the next bump in fitness sticking with the same eighty twenty approach? Uh, love both podcasts and will continue to listen. Um, so basically, he wants to like how can he improve his fitness without doing anything other than increasing volume or no, no, so with, he, with, with, with keeping volume the same. So he's not yeah. able to increase his volume. He says he can only do 10 to 12 hours a week. Um, so and he's at he, 4.2 to 4.4 Watts per kilogram. So he can't, can he not increase volume because I'm assuming because his schedule doesn't allow it. Yeah. Not we'll because, like, assume he, that. Okay. Cause I, what I would say is that if, you know, if, if your schedule can't let and this, probably doesn't apply to this guy but if your schedule allows it almost always the answer is to increase volume if you're like stuck in a rut you know what i mean he literally said he can't do that okay (laughs) i just want to make this clear for people because so many people are like i can only ride 10 hours a week i can only ride 12 hours a week i can only ride this many and i'm stuck here and i can't do it and i don't want to tell these people what they can and can't do with their schedule but sometimes sometimes you can ride a little bit more than you think you can you know what i mean i i think i think you can ride a little bit more and that is I mean, that is oh yeah thir- 13 hours instead of 12 hours like stacked over months and months like that can actually make a big difference so like i i do agree like if if you can do 12, you can probably do 13. If like, you can do 13, do 13, right? Like the only reason the only reason I bring this up and it's not, you know, this is not answering his question and is maybe not helpful to him, but I bring it up because people ask, I've got 6 hours a week. I've got what what however many hours per week they've got. If we're not talking if they're not already up to 20 to 25, which is like what a pro cyclist rides at. Um if they're somewhere below that, and they're talking about like I've stagnated and I only have this many hours per week to train the probably the answer that they don't want to hear, but is the correct answer is if you can increase your volume, you should increase your volume. Um, so that being said, I think there's, if he really cannot find any time in the week to train and he is stuck at what he's stuck at, then there are, there are some things that he could try to do. Um, for example, like the thing that I was going to throw out is block periodization. You know, he could try to do block periodization and see if that bumps him, you know, a little bit higher. Um, and if you're not, if you're not familiar with block periodization, I don't need to like go into it for 20 minutes here, but just, I, I've got like three videos about it on my channel at this point. And I would highly recommend going and check those out. I have one. One video video. about block periodization. I have one video about block periodization (laughs) (laughs) and I talk about plateauing in that video. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's probably yeah, going to be what you just what you're about to say. Yeah, and I think it's important to point out for like someone like block periodization, like it's like timing is everything, and it's it's going to improve your race day fitness. But it's not. Well, Adam, it's probably, Adam, don't tell him. Probably don't what? tell him. I want him to go watch my video. All right, just go watch Drew's video. <laughs> um, so I mean, one thing I was going to add. I mean, four point two to four point four watts per kilogram. Like that's that's already pretty high. Like that's that's better. Especially than for what what did he say? Ten hours per week? Ten ten, 10 to, to 12, twelve hours max a week. And that's what I was gonna say. Is like that's that's pretty solid for only so, ten to twelve hours a week. Yeah, I mean I would say that if you're at if you're at mid four watt per kilo on ten to twelve hours per week, 
like you're you're genetically predisposed to be a pretty good endurance athlete. I think we're missing like a significant part of the puzzle here because it's like he wants to get faster. Well, what does that mean? Does he want to be faster at Unbound, a 200-mile ultra endurance event, or does he want to be faster at the Tuesday night like group ride sprint? Because if that's the case, 10 to 12 hours is not not a lot. So if he mm-hmm. wants to be a faster sprinter, then that means he needs to be more powerful and increasing like his strength training, you know? Did, or did he, like, did, Yeah, that is a great point. Did he, That's going to make him a lot did faster. He, did he say what his goals were? No. No. No, mm-hmm. no goals, no background on what type of riding he does or anything. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say not, you know, switching it up from polarized training or 80-20 to block periodization and depending, like, if he just wants to be faster, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was he wants to be more powerful in a sprint, like, strength train. Um, well, yeah, strength I mean, training I was would, one of the first things I thought. I mean, too. I think that mm-hmm. he, if he does, if he doesn't strength train, he should, as of right now, he should definitely include strength training, um, whether he wants Even, to be good at sprinting or endurance. But yeah, um, yeah. The reason I was going to say strength training, he doesn't mention strength training in his thing, and I was going to mention strength training, but I was also just going to mention that because he says about plateauing. The reason we plateau is because our body is getting so used to the training stimulus that it's mm-hmm. it's just. Nothing's if you happening. always if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. So. Wow, that's exactly. exactly what I was so trying to say. But that was so poetic. So, <laughs> say, so it this is, say it again. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. Wow, so that's exactly that, what I was about to say, but not that good. That's <laughs> like that's exactly correct, and that is exactly why if you've plateaued, you need to increase your volume. Right. Yes. Increase volume. Strength training. <laughs> I'm just saying, change I mean, your training. Even, yeah. Even in doing something way like capacity. Yeah. Just yeah, change like, it. Like, like even if you're training for you know, let's say like a mid south or or unbound or something like that. Like, throw in a block of like sprint training. Yeah. yeah he like, might end up that's doing. You've never done. Like, you might get an extra percent of yeah, you know, added to your might FTP end from, up from that doing he might end up doing really well with lower volume and more intensity. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And that's like, that's I mean, actually, what we're that's, what, right that's now. what a lot of my athletes are surprised when they come to me and usually like, so, you know, we have our, have our athletes fill out their, um, uh, new athlete you know, form, new athlete form or whatever, you know, to give us a little bit of background information. And, you know, a lot of times like, they want to put the most amount of training that they could possibly do on there. So if it says like, you know, how much time do you have to train? They'll put like, you know, 12 to 14 hours, but 12 to 14 hours is a pretty big training week for most people. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of times they're, my athletes are surprised when I actually say, we're going to, we're probably going to decrease your training a little bit and instead try and bring more freshness into your high intensity training sessions. And we'll save those bigger volume weeks for like, key strategic parts of the year where like we need to get a fitness bump and, and, you know, build your base a little bit. Um, but we're not going to be doing 14 hours. We're not going to do your maximum volume week in, week out. Like that's just, it's not going to be beneficial. Like most of your weeks are probably going to be 10, you know, eight to 10. And then we'll do a few 14 hour weeks to just improve volume, um, at parts of the season. Um, so like if you're constant, like if you have 10 to 12 hours a week and you're just doing, you're smashing 12 hour weeks, week in, week out, maybe do what Caitlin's saying here is like drop it down to eight hours and like go smash your interval workout. Like maybe you haven't hit your highest numbers yet in those interval workouts. And that's going to give you a little bit of 
fitness bump. And then you can parlay that in with some extra volume in subsequent weeks um, to hopefully like capitalize on that. And if you've done all of this and nothing changes, you might have just hit your genetic ceiling and bump. Well, if they're if this person is at ten to twelve hours per week, I don't think they've hit their genetic ceiling. But yeah. Yeah. You're you're saying I would like, here's what I would like big big picture genetic ceiling. No, I genetic ceiling means the fastest that you could possibly get if every variable was perfect. You know Correct. what I mean? Yeah. That's what genetic yeah. ceiling means. So Correct. if this person is at mid four watts per kilo on 10 to 12 hours per week, if they quit their job tomorrow and dedicated their entire life to cycling mm. and, you know, got the volume up to 20 to 25 hours per week and got perfect sleep and did perfect nutrition and got every other component of training correct, I mean, they that could probably be. be over five watts per kilo, maybe. Got it. So, so really, nobody. But five has watts. Had their I just want to make sure. I want to make sure James doesn't go and quit his job tomorrow just to try and do five <laughs> watts per kilo. Because five watts per kilo is not going to get you a job in professional cycling. So it like, won't. It's no. not worth it. It's not worth. No, it. No, it's not. It won't. It, it five watts per kilo is. You know, it's. Uh, I would almost say nothing will get you a job in professional cycling. What are you talking about? Almost, six watts per kilo will definitely get you a kilo. job in professional cycling. No, I'm, what I'm saying is that the jobs in professional cycling are very far and few between. So don't do that. Yeah, no, they are. Yeah, for sure. But like, if there's definitely a point at which you're going to make a lot of money in professional cycling, like okay, if you're at well, if you're at six <laughs> watts per kilo, you you're you're living pretty. Okay, we're 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 tangenting. We're, we're yes. yeah, we're we're off on a tangent here. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay, anything else to add here? Feeling good about it? Okay, sweet. We knocked out a few. Um, keep these questions coming. At this point, we've got enough questions trickling in that we can just keep keep it going with this cadence of uh, answering listener questions. I think this is way more fun. Uh, mm-hmm. Personally, I think it's tough oh, yeah. sometimes to just come up with topics because you don't always know what people are going to be interested in. So it's way more fun to kind of answer some of these specific questions and trying to add in some generalization to apply to the masses. But um, yeah, keep those questions coming in. We're looking, looking forward to more episodes like this. Thanks guys. Caitlin, hopefully you guys get back on the road today. Well, then we'll see you next week. Deuces. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in for the latest episode of the matchbox podcast. Like I said, at the beginning, you can send any questions or topic suggestions to info at ignitioncoachco.com with email titled The Matchbox Podcast. Links to each of our social media pages can be found in the show notes. Tune in next week for another endurance training-related discussion and learn about how you can find that extra match for your next big event. Catch you all soon. Let's go!
I've never driven a rally car before, but I'd imagine there are a lot of similarities between racing rally cars and racing bikes. Both involve speed, skill, and suspense. But one big difference is the navigator. The navigator's job is to communicate with the driver what turns are coming up, the severity of those turns, and any obstacles to look out for on course. With the help of the navigator, the driver goes faster. As athletes, we too need a navigator. This is where the coach comes into the picture. Like the navigator, the coach helps guide the athlete along the right path. When it's all said and done, the coach helps the athlete go faster. To take the analogy one step further, I'd bet the best navigators are those who used to drive themselves. Because of their own experience behind the wheel, they're better equipped to help the driver. This is what Ignition Coach Co. is all about. All of our coaches are elite level racers, and that makes them better coaches. They know how to train, how to prep, how to win, how to lose, and how to stay focused through it all because they are in the midst of that pursuit right now. Here at Ignition Coach Co., we believe that coaching and racing go hand in hand, and it's our goal to fuse those two things together. We'd love to connect you with one of our coaches. Sign up for a free consultation today. Ignition Coach Co., developing coaches, connecting athletes.